Queer the City from Homotopia, The Walk, Episode 5. Dale Street, L2. It is too early for anyone to be texting me. 10.30 on a Saturday morning is too early when somehow even sunshine smells like her. Nix wants me to come to brunch. They promised me a club sandwich the size of my head and more coffee than I can drink. They do not say they are worried. They send me a selfie from their car, flame head and gap tooth. We consider saying now and spending another day alone watching the US office and ordering in. Instead I leave. And on the train into town, I stare at my reflection in the window. I tell myself I am not broken. I tell myself that the hook Tony stepped under my ribs with the wicked curl of her tongue had not torn out something vital when she left for the airport. I am lying. Moorfield is busy forcing me to dodge and weave around the weekend crowd from the moment I disembark. I try as much as possible to touch anyone. My suit may be a fine raw second skin, but it is too thin to give up the bright and the rough and the screech of a city at leisure. I am still too raw to be touched. I am still aching for her to touch me. When I see Nick's walking past Thomas Rigby's, I run up and call out their name. Their face breaks into a grin and they touch me. A soft hand on my arm that pulls me into a hug too sudden to reject. Their stubble against my forehead should be too much. Their hands slid across my back too close, but we have known each other long enough that the locked door of their embrace is not a cage. I have the key. We crafted it together. They ask me how I am as we walk towards Moose Coffee. I lie. They don't call me on it, instead updating me on Lowe's new cat and Manny's latest houseplants. We wait outside the door for a table to free up. I ask them how they are. They tell the truth. I don't ask them not to. They are happy, and I should not resent it. We are ushered in by a small man in a branded t-shirt. We get a booth. I stare up at the moose astronaut on the wall. The smile that unfurls somewhere deep in my chest is a shadow that doesn't make it anywhere near my face. It should not surprise me that I cannot smell properly without her. We order coffee and sandwiches. Nix looks at me. They are waiting for me to be honest. I don't think I know how. I say I am not broken. They agree. I say Tony was never vital. They agree. I say that I am over her, and I wish people would stop treating me like I am made of glass. They tell me not to lie. 
They thank the server who returned with our coffee. They tell me I am hurting and fragile and that's okay. Nyx takes hold of my hand and tells me that I am a castle built on sand because Tony convinced me it was bedrock. They stare at me, such that I cannot look away, and tell me that Tony convinced me I didn't need ribs or fresh water, so it's no wonder I am left bleeding salt. I don't beg them to stop, but they must see my eyes, wide and red and pleading. They must feel my hands shake and the hummingbird thrum of my pulse. They must know that I am still bleeding and the salt is keeping me alive and they can't expect me to just start breathing again. I stop listening. I call out to gods whose names I do not know and beg for my bed, a bed, anywhere soft and dark and quiet anywhere I can escape this person who knows me too well and tells me things that are too true and and the server puts our dishes on the table. Nyx lets go of my hand. They say they are sorry. They promise not to bring it up again. They say I will be okay and I know they must be lying. They eat their sandwich and I pick at mine and we talk about travel. They've booked flights to Berlin and I am considering America. They look at me. I reassure them that it's not going to be Chicago. I don't reassure them that I don't want Tony back. I have lied too much already. We fall into silence. I eat my sandwich. It's cold. Nix pays, and I tip, and we exit into the cool autumn sunshine. We cross the road and I turn to walk back towards Moorfields. They stop me, suggest a walk down to the docks instead. I lean against the white turned beige stone of the town hall and look down towards Water Street. I can see the water. I cannot go near the water. I know I am being dramatic, but I say I cannot go near the water and Nick snogs. I don't think they understand that Tony loved the wind and the tourist traps. So enjoying it without her would be a kind of betrayal. I'm sure if they did, they'd tell me that I am being dramatic. We don't hug goodbye. My skins, both of them, are too thin and too raw. It is Sunday morning. And today, I think it is my hunger that drove her away. That the way I wanted to swallow her and nestle her beneath my diaphragm disgusted her. A WhatsApp notification goes off. And then another, and then another, I mute it. Maybe she found my appetite shallow and tepid. Maybe I wanted the wrong things from her, perhaps. If I learned more about the Impressionists, or sat stiller for her portraits, or understood her brother better, perhaps. If I wanted her hunger as much as her wit, and her stubbornness as much as her loyalty, perhaps. 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 I go back to bed, and cry myself into a fitful sleep. It is evening.
before I check WhatsApp. Nyx has posted Shiwa memes into our group chat. Manny, a compilation of utter TikToks. Somewhere deep in my chest, a shadow of a smile unfurls. It doesn't quite make it to my face, but I don't mind. I reply with a gif. We all text late into the night. It is Monday. On the train into town, I tell myself I am not broken. I tell myself that the hook Tony slept under my ribs with a wicked curl of her tongue had not torn out something vital when she left for the airport. Somehow, today, I am not lying. Moorfield is busy, but I am content to be bumped and jostled on my way out of the station. At work, I am more productive than I have been in weeks. Even so, my manager glares at me, watery-eyed and thin-lipped. He thinks I am stupid, or lazy, or some other thing he's projected onto the dark white green of my body and I have never cared to correct him. He decided a long time ago, and I am not about to fold and stretch and crumple myself to slip behind the frayed tapestry of his expectations. I have already torn and tied and remoulded myself as someone who did not love me, and at least she made me pancakes on Sunday mornings. This man offers me nothing. Around mid-morning, I fill my water bottle and take an apple. The water is crisp and sweet. The apple is crisp and sweet. I suppose that is one thing he and Tony have in common now. She no longer offers me anything. After work, I walk past the blood donation centre, past Moose Coffee and the town hall. I walk down Water Street. I can feel the wind, brisk and cold. I take a breath, my lungs and ribs swelling to their fullest capacity. I can see the river, glittering in a sunshine that, of course, doesn't smell of anything. Dale Street L2, written and performed by Maz Hedgehog. Audio produced by Laura Brown, Series produced by Alex Ferguson on behalf of Homotopia. A Unity Theatre co-commission with support from BBC Radio Merseyside. Visit homotopia.net for more info.